Hello, I'm Arianna Raji Lee, founder of Pasha Mama, and welcome to our podcast, In Conversation, where I chat to health practitioners, baby and toddler experts, mamas and mums-to-be, to find out what they do and how their story can help you through modern motherhood. If you're loving what you're listening to, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. A little love goes a long way. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to this month's episode. This episode is with an incredibly special guest, somebody who I've admired for years now, ever since a mutual friend introduced me to her podcast at the same time I was setting up Passion Mama. My guest this week sort of needs no introduction, but I'm going to give her one anyway. It's Zoe Blasky, transformational coach and host of the number one supportive family podcast, Motherkind. It was really hard to not make this episode with Zoe a one-on-one coaching session for myself, but as I listened back to it in the edit, I realized that I sort of did. We recorded this episode last month when my son Phoenix was five and a half months old and going through a massive sleep change and I hadn't slept in about three weeks and lack of sleep for me like for so many people really impacts my mental health increases my levels of overwhelm and anxiety so I really open up about these big emotions that I was experiencing and I'm still experiencing now as a new mother. What's great about this episode is that Zoe not only has her own skills as a coach to share with us, but the breadth and depth of the conversations with experts that she's had on her own podcast means that she has this arsenal of insight and awareness and wisdom to share. So in this episode, we talk about some of the biggest challenges that are facing mothers today, how to reframe challenges and see them as opportunities. Zoe offers advice in terms of breaking the shame spirals and negative thought cycles that sleep-deprived parents can often find themselves in. And we talk about the importance of letting go and surrendering. It's a really powerful episode, tackling really big emotions, but there's a lot of insight and advice from Zoe, which is really incredible. So if you're in it right now, or if you know a mama that's in it right now, then this episode is for you. I loved having this conversation and I hope you do too. And if you love it, please, please do hit that subscribe button, share it with your mama mates or anyone else, you know, who could benefit from these conversations. Enjoy. Zoe, hi, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Aside from major lack of sleep right now with a baby going through, I think, what is a sleep progression? Who knows? Um, But otherwise, yeah, I'm okay. Did you have a nice bank holiday weekend? I did. It's so hard that sleep change and the lack of sleep and I think you know just what it does to our minds and bodies is you know I think when when I started to really understand that it gave me a lot of compassion for myself so 
yeah it, it it does very very serious things to your brain lack of sleep so yeah sleep. yeah it really does it really does so it, it heightens the amygdala which is the fear center in our brain so that's why we might start to feel more fearful and anxious when we're sleep deprived and it does lots lots and lots of other things so I think just lots of self-compassion when you're in that place of lack of sleep I know it very well <laughs> and actually I'm actually really glad that you brought that because that's something that we're going to be touching on today is kind of like anxiety and motherhood and stuff. And I've definitely, definitely felt it these last couple of weeks when Phoenix has been, my son has been up basically every hour throughout, throughout the night previously, you know, when before he was sleeping actually really quite well for a baby, I thought. Um, but I, I, I sort of struggle sometimes with like understanding why it's so hard why motherhood is 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 so difficult and the lack of sleep is huge and I think sometimes the biology doesn't really make sense because if you're breastfeeding which I am you need to be in order to have a good milk supply you need to be well rested but then babies don't necessarily allow you to be well rested in order to then have a good milk supply so I just find sometimes that the the science behind it all doesn't really point us to the in in the right direction and I think sometimes that's where I I sort of struggle with I can't quite get over how why it's so difficult well it does in the context it doesn't in the context of the way that we mother in the modern world but that's very recent it's only in the last sort of 100 150 years that we are up all night with our babies often alone and then we're often alone all day with our babies in in if you look at it in evolutionary terms in terms of how we used to be it would be that other people would be caring for the baby often during the day giving us the baby to feed and we would be resting there'd be women around there'd be aunties there'd be grandmothers so it was it was very 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 different that's why you hear people talk about we lost the village well, what what they really mean by that is how we used to raise our children in communities so that the mothers could rest that's, that's really how it was um so yeah it doesn't make sense at all in terms of how we parent in the modern in the modern day today what, what you and I and you know all our mothers of our generation face but it makes it makes sense when you look at it in in you know not so recent history yeah and I, that is so true and I have to sort of remind myself that the biological needs of my son do not fit with the cultural setting that I'm living in at the moment do you think that do you think that the lack of support or the the want to or I guess the need to fit our babies into our more modern lives are some of the biggest challenges that mothers face these days. Is that something that you've, you've are those some of the challenges that you've faced as a mother as well? Yeah, and, you know, th there's no time that's ever perfect, is there? So we have lots of amazing things as, as a result of our modern life. But I think there's lots of things that, you know, we face today societally, that make it even more challenging. And this isn't just me saying it, you know, some of the greatest thinkers in the world on human development and anthropologists and you know, incredible people that have studied this say the same thing, that, you know, the way that we live very isolated often from extended families, because there was this move towards the cities for work. So lots of us lives in big cities. Our families often won't because they'll be older. So they won't be in that time of their career. So they may be living an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours even in other countries so that has a really big impact that we don't have that family support always around us and also we need to remember we are the first generation really 
raising our children with smartphones, with access to billions. If you put in breastfeeding, you will get billions of results. Often that information will contradict. Often that information will be really overwhelming. You might feel judged by that information. Generations before us just didn't have that. So I think that has a massive impact. And we know what's happening to, well, we know what happens to our brains when this sort of always on digital world, you know, it's fragmenting our ability to be present. Often we look outwards for information instead of inwards. So I think, you know, we've got more information than ever before, but maybe less wisdom, maybe less connection. And I think that makes it really, really hard. I think also, you know, it's only in the last hundred years or so that our careers have progressed that the way they have as women and mothers, which is incredible. It's fantastic, but we're still waiting for the domestic systems to catch up with that. So we're in this situation, which I, I hope is going to be a really unique point in time. And I think it's incredibly challenging for our generation where we are still doing 70%. There was a study from the United Nations um, said that we're still doing, women are still doing 70% of the domestic load. So essentially we're running our homes raising children, organizing childcare and working. And that's not sustainable, which is why I think so many mothers in our generation feel constantly anxious on the brink of burnout because those two systems haven't caught up with each other. And there's loads of change happening, but I reckon we're 10, 20 years off, you know, where we need to be in terms of the support and the societal structures for mothers. So there's lots of reasons why it's hard. Gabor Mate, who's probably one of the greatest thinkers on human development and psychology of our time, he said to me that he thinks now is the hardest time to be a mother in peacetime, so since the Second World War. And he said that pre-pandemic. So you throw in a pandemic. So I think really to anyone sort of listening, and of course to you going through it very real with a little one, is just, just lots and lots of compassion. And it's really easy to say that, you know, you need to be gentle with yourself. You need to be kind with yourself. You need to remember if you're finding it hard, it's not because you're doing it wrong. It's because it is hard, but often we haven't been modeled that compassion and we might not know how to access that tenderness for ourselves. So what we do is we just beat ourselves up. We think that if we push ourselves harder, I must be doing it wrong. I need to learn more, read more even listen to more podcasts. I need to be doing it differently. So many of us go to that, to that place. And that's actually not what we need at all. We know that because we wouldn't say that to a friend who is struggling. We would give that friend love and support and a hug and a cup of tea. And that's exactly what we need to do for ourselves. But that's really hard to do. And I think it's probably one of the greatest skills that we have to learn as modern mothers is, is self-compassion, self-kindness, giving ourselves a break, taking the pressure off, focusing on what's important, letting go on what's not. Otherwise you will burn out a hundred percent. I have probably a hundred messages a day of mothers utterly burnt out trying to do it all. That is, you've said so many amazing things there. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I find it scary or reassuring that this is probably the hardest most challenging time to be a mother um and as you say I think people are aware sometimes or I'd hope even though when you're in it sometimes I even myself I forget 
it's about you do need to be compassionate I guess it's about how do you how do you personally find that compassion for yourself if, even if you kind of even if you're aware that you need to give it to yourself as you say it's not easy to do how do you carve that out for yourself so the the, the first thing is I'm saying that it's scary I I would reframe that as often in life our greatest challenges bring us the greatest reward so the things that I've been through in my life that have been the scariest and the hardest have developed me more and more into the person that I think I'm capable of being so I think you know I've only been able to develop courage and perspective and maybe a little bit of wisdom because I've been through some really hard things outside motherhood. So I choose to see the challenge of it as an opportunity to create those qualities, characteristics, things in me that I wouldn't get the chance to otherwise. So, you know, for example, I talk about people pleasing and boundaries a lot. You know, if a mother struggles with that, it's such a good opportunity to develop that because otherwise without it, you're going to really, really struggle. So I think there's like a sort of reframe that can happen as well to see it, even though it is really hard. How can I use this challenge to, yeah, develop, to change, to grow, as opposed to collapsing into the challenge, which is fine too. You know, I have lots of days where I do that as well. But overall, I think it's thinking, how can I face this challenge? So that's the first thing. And then the second thing that you asked me was about how do I access that compassion? And I think there's two answers to that. The first one is very simple in the moment practices. So when I notice I, myself starting to beat myself up and it may be very subtle, um, it may be like, can't, can't, I might hear a voice that says, can't believe you've done that again. You're doing it wrong. Why is your house such a mess? Um, you've got so much privilege. What, why are you still struggling? You know, look at everyone else you know, who, who doesn't have some of the privileges that you do. That might be what some of the voices will say. And I'll, I'll tend to catch those. And I'll say something like, stop, we're not going there today. And I'll think to myself, what would I say to a really good friend who is exactly, you know, in this position that I am? I would say to her, you know, you've got two young girls, you're running this business, you know, you're doing an amazing job you're doing an amazing job. What do you need? Why don't you have a sit down? Or do you need to get on with something? Because I can also avoid things as well. So sometimes I do need to get on with some admin. I do need to go and clean the kitchen, but I'll just take that moment to just make sure that I'm not going into that shame spiral. So shame spiral is, is when we tend to think I'm bad, I'm wrong, I'm not doing it well enough. And none of that is true. You know, that all comes from a very well-worn narrative inside my head that I've actually lived with my most of my life. So that's the, the first sort of thing is catching those in the moment. Um, and, and meditation, which I've been regularly meditating for a while now, has really helped me with that because meditation helps me notice my thoughts. So I've been able to notice and catch those thoughts before they're spiraling out of control. And suddenly I'm just sort of on the sofa and able to get up you know, paralyzed basically, um, or the other way, I, I'm just frantic into activity, a ball of stress, snapping at everyone. Um, I tend to go to those two states. So yeah, it's just, it, it just helps me catch and notice the thoughts, stop, what would I say to a good friend? 
There's another thing that I learned from Dr. Kristen Neff, who's really the sort of founder of this idea of self-compassion. And it's called a self-compassion break. And it's got three steps. And the first step is that you, you stop and you realize that you are not the only person struggling. So you bring in other people because when we're struggling, we tend to think it's only us. That's something that our minds love to do. It's only you. You're finding it hard. You should be finding this easy. Look at everyone else. And of course, social media feeds into that. So the first step of the self-compassion break is you say, there isn't a mother. I say this to myself all the time. There isn't a mother who hasn't been sat, you know, feeling overwhelmed today, feeling stressed today, feeling like it's too much today. You are not alone. That's the first step. You are not alone. And I promise you, whatever you are going through or been through or feeling, there is someone in that moment in the world feeling exactly the same way. And then the second step is to say something really kind to yourself. So you're not alone. You know, you're not the only person feeling this way today. You can handle this. Or, you know, what do you need? Or... You're a really lovely person. Just something really nice to yourself. And then the third step is just saying a phrase that might help you from that point. So I'm just going to move forward with some more ease or I'm just going to reach out to a friend or I'm just going to do, do something. So that's another tool that I love um, called the Self-Compassion Break by Dr. Kristen Neff, if anyone wants to look it up. So those are some of my favorite, like in the moment tools that I'll be using. And then the second part to that answer is deeper um, because also our relationship to ourselves, of course, is formed when we're little. So that's healing. When people talk about healing or um, I guess therapy work or anything like that, that's the, 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 the deeper work that I also do a lot of and have done a lot of, which is unpicking. Okay, why do I have this hard relationship with myself why am I so addicted to busyness and avoidance and success and validation as I was um, and how do I change that so that I'm no longer pushing myself to burn out all the time because of course I brought all of those behaviors into motherhood and they don't they don't work when you become a mother you can't you can't a grade your way through motherhood so I really had to look at where was all that coming from and how could I transform that? So sort of two answers, you know, in the moment and also the, the deeper work of looking at the, the stronger beliefs and messages that I had about myself and my worth. And those two together have really enabled me to, to unlock quite a lot of tenderness for myself so far in motherhood. Well, that is absolutely amazing. And I think, you know, it, it sounds like you have such self-awareness which is amazing because I know so many people just don't myself included um, and I think something like that really it does it must take a lot of work it you know it takes I imagine it comes with practice and time in order to do the more the, the deeper work but then also those in the moment um, breaking of the habits you know I find myself getting trapped very, very quickly in these like negative thought cycles and I spiral completely. And I find it very, very hard to break out of those or to even have the spiral and then acknowledge that I had that moment and then sort of park it 
and continue on with the rest of my day. I find what I struggle with the most at the moment is when I have those negative thoughts, I then, I find it very difficult. It could happen in the morning, for example, and then it just lingers and it just stays with me the entire day. And it's really, really unfair on myself, on my son, on my partner. Um, and I'm quite recently just trying to be more aware of when those moments happen and actively try to change my state once I have I'm not going to ignore the feelings I'm going to feel the feels and then be like okay that's that that was that moment let's move forward and let's not drag these negative thoughts into the rest of my day because that's just not not fun for anyone least of all myself yeah and I think like you said you know there's lots in what you said that the first one is being able to know even notice when you're in that spiral realize that it's not true because of course those feels feel those thoughts feel absolutely true and then as you describe those thoughts then create an emotional response in your body so you're not only thinking these thoughts you also might be feeling anxiety feeling fear you might have or be feeling heightened energy or you know whatever the feelings are or sadness or aloneness or depression or I want to cry or I want to run or whatever it is that's that's coming up so that's the first thing isn't it is that awareness and then it's challenging that which is really hard because they feel real they feel real Mm. so it's it's how you can get that perspective and challenge that and then also as you said you know you can start your day at any point you know I'll often say to the girls at five o'clock we're restarting our day and they're like but mummy it's you know nearly bedtime I'm like I don't care we're we're pressing reset and we are going to have a brilliant end to the day We've got two hours left together. Let's press reset. I, we, I do that all the time. You can start your day at any point and start your day at 8 p.m., you know, with your partner and just say, you know, uh, it's all gone. What's happened? Let's I'm going to I'm going to restart it with this intention going forward. That's so nice. That is such I've never really thought about that. Why not? Why does yeah. the, why does the mood of the day have to start at 7 a.m. and then that's it? No, restart your day anytime you want Mm. and actually a really powerful practice is to sort of punctuate your day like I do it because I'm in that sort of school run place with the ages that mine are so you know I'll sit in the car just as I'm about to get out to go and pick them both up and I'll just take a break I'll be like right so my work day is done reset button what's my intention from here as opposed to just being that sort of unconscious you know, roller coaster, just running through the day, being at the mercy of my thoughts or feelings or other people's thoughts or feelings or, you know, the chaos that's kind of constantly around us. I, I try to take a bit more ownership of that. So I'll be like, right, my intention is just I've got four hours with the girls now. My intention's just to connect. I'm not going to think about the drama that happened at work this morning. I'm not going to think about that client I'm worried about because I'm a coach as well. I'm just going to connect with the girls. And even just taking that minute or having that thought is, is, is really powerful. It doesn't always have to be complex, this stuff. It can be really simple. And that's, that's the power of coaching, you know, as opposed to therapy. Coaching is, is really good at simple interventions and tools that can help you just reframe your experience or think about something differently or quickly change something in the moment. And I think that's, I think that's often what we, we need as mothers. Yeah, definitely. And, and, gosh that's really really powerful and I think you're absolutely right it's the smaller it's the smaller 
changes that we can make that I think as busy mums, as overwhelmed mums, as tired mums, that those are the ones that will probably have more of an impact, the sm- you know, more frequent, smaller things. But I guess it's about noticing that. And I think you said earlier, you know, it's about whenever you see a challenge, it's about reframing it to see it as an opportunity of how you can kind of grow and learn from it, which I think is amazing. But again, takes a lot of hard work and I imagine some practice because you know I actually feel as though and I'm only five and a half months postpartum so I really have to remind myself that it is still a very short time frame that you know my life has completely gone upside down and so it is going to take time in order for me to feel a rebalance or whatever it is that might come a steadiness or something or maybe that steadiness won't come I don't know but um I do feel as though I've lost a lot of confidence that I had before um and I don't know if it's because I have no fucking idea what I'm doing as a mum which could be the case but then I I find that that lack of confidence with my son sort of translates to other parts of my life which wasn't there before which I'm really which is I think where I'm really struggling with at the moment and so I'm trying to look at I will try to look at these these more challenging moments as 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 opportunities to grow and learn but I think because I feel like my confidence has taken a bit of a hit that will be a lot harder to do well you're we're in charge of the stories that we tell ourselves so I always think I might as well make it a positive one because I'm in charge of the narrative Mm -hmm. so maybe the story that you tell yourself is that you know I've lost my confidence is 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 a strong story to be telling yourself right lost is a strong word so maybe you just tell yourself a different story I am in the first year of this motherhood experience. And I'm really enjoying figuring out who I am now and what type of a mother I'm gonna become. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) You're right, you're absolutely right. Because you're absolutely right. Because, and I I really do feel as though, you know, your thoughts have such power over absolutely everything. And it is about reframing it as the only way to, to, to look at it I guess it's about making sure that I have the tools in the in the in place to recognize what I'm saying to myself in order to be able to reframe it in a, in a more positive positive yeah. way exactly because because confidence tends to come I mean some of it is confidence isn't actually innate we tend to think that oh we're a confident person or we're not a confident person that isn't that isn't actually true confidence tends to come from sort of uh, qualifications experience knowledge and experience and so of course with motherhood we have neither of those things so I often say to mothers who say I've lost my confidence I'm like of course you have you you, you haven't done this before that would be like expecting yourself to enter you know a totally new job outside your industry outside your sphere of experience and and to be able to walk in with a with a with a confidence no one would expect that so I think there's almost like a humility as well it's really beautiful. Like I'm learning, we're learning together. I'm learning about Phoenix. I'm learning about myself as a mother. And I think that's just such a kinder way 
to talk to yourself than this idea of I've lost my confidence. I think there's also, you know, when we understand about matrescence, um, which is the the anthropological term which describes the becoming of a mother, it's the same as adolescence, but to describe the becoming of the mother. I think once we look at it through that lens as well, it's almost like we expect it to be a really bumpy time. It is a time of self exploration. It is a time where you lose your identity and you lose your confidence, rightly so, because you're trying to figure out this new role, who you are, who you are becoming now. You know, your hormones are changing. Your brain has literally changed. We know this through through brain mapping and scanning. We we know it's called pruning. Your brain chemistry has actually changed. The gray matter in your head is changing size and shape. So everything is changing about you when you become a mother. So it's just softening that story. You know, how, how would it feel to just say to yourself, I'm in this time of exploration and I'm going to try loads of things and some are going to feel great and some are going to feel terrible, but I'm going to learn and my confidence will come. Yeah, it's so... It's so listening to you talk, I'm like, yes, I know this. I know about matrescence. I was really aware of, given that I started Pashamama before becoming even pregnant, I was, I feel as though I've walked into motherhood with my eyes as, as wide open as they possibly could have been, aware that it's bloody hard work, aware of the transition, aware of the hormones, aware of so many things that I think a lot of women perhaps aren't aware of because it's not so widely spoken about. And yet I still find it really, really difficult. I had to remind myself that these, that how I'm feeling is completely normal and to reframe it as an, from an awareness to this idea of exploration, which I really like, because I kind of always said, I think I recorded a podcast episode before when I was pregnant and somebody asked me what I was looking forward to most about having a baby. And one of the responses I said was actually what my son will teach me. And I don't know if that puts pressure on myself to come out a slightly new variation, you know, a new variant of myself that, you know, I, I'm sort of waiting for that to happen. I've sort of maybe forgotten about the exciting bits and the exploration bits and the awareness bits. And I think with, as you mentioned before, the information overload that we have now as mums, the constant conflicting advice, it's, as you know, it's it's a complete minefield and I think maybe it's so conflicting so that essentially you just can find an expert in in inverted commas giving you an answer that supports what you wanted to do in the first place which is why it's so conflicting I don't know but I also think because there's so much information and because we look outward a lot of the time rather than following our own innate instincts about these things because they are there that also can have a massive impact on my ability to parent. We just spent a month on, had an amazing vacation. I was completely present. I was very much off social, off uh, work mode. And I think it was probably the best four weeks I've had since St. Phoenix was born because I wasn't panicked that I wasn't following schedules for feeding, for naps, for whatever. It was just go with the flow. And we did what we felt right. And we did what we needed to do in order to have the day that we wanted that made everyone really kind of relaxed and happy. And I think that coming back sometimes to the real world, to real life, when you're not on vacation mode can be really, really 
tricky because you sit there on social and you see what other people are doing and it puts that added layer of pressure which I just don't think anyone needs so the question is how can you apply that place that you got yourself in on holiday to your day that yeah yeah that's that's such an amazing because you've had that experience of what it feels like so if I was coaching you we would be working on okay what was it that unlocked that ease what was Mm -hmm. it that unlocked that presence and how can you bring more of that in with the very real pressures you know we live in the real world we have to keep you know earning and and showing up but but there's always things that we can change and learn so that's what I would be if we were working together for example that's what I would really be looking to unpack with you Mm. now where's that pressure coming from sounds like social is a big trigger for you okay Mm. how could we how could we manage you know how you're engaging with that and what that looks like social media is incredibly challenging place to be for sure I've experienced that and I think you know as you were saying there's a huge difference between knowledge and wisdom and you know I have so much knowledge but I forget every single day you know to apply it and you know I constantly have to remind myself and I'll be doing something and I'll think oh my gosh I'm doing that again or but I think it's just the more and more that we can accept wherever we're at so a lot of stress comes from resistance and I can really hear that in you actually that there's this sort of place that you want to be and you're not there and you want to feel this and 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 all that not accepting just how you're doing right now it creates so much resistance because you want to be somewhere where you're not. Mm. So, you know, I always speak to mothers as well about what would it be like to just accept exactly where you are, you know, with the challenges, with what you're still trying to learn, with what you're still trying to figure out, with what you know, with what you don't know. What if you could just think, well, just for today, just for this moment, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be and I'll learn what I'm meant to learn right on time. I'll get my confidence and into my stride you know, when I'm meant to, mm. right on time. And the, the shoulders sort of drop a bit and there's a bit less pressure, a bit less striving and a little bit more being, a little bit of just sort of sitting into a little bit more trust and a bit less control. And I think that's really, really helpful to me. And a lot of people that I work with, I work with a lot of people who are incredibly successful in the outer world, but really struggle internally. And that's often because they're trying to control everything around them, you know, from nap times to schedules to who their children are to, you know, their partners and all of it. And I think control, you know, can be brilliant, can't it? It can enable us to achieve a lot. It can also cost us a lot in terms of that peace of mind. So it sounds like there was something on holiday for you that just enabled you to drop control a bit. Totally. And I think control is probably the perfect word to encapsulate me as a person and I'm very aware that um you know I'm very aware of that I like order I like structure and with babies it's 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 not like that unless you want to obviously enforce it which is not something that I actually want to do and I think that's where I've almost struggled a little bit is that I I've been a creature I'm a creature of habit I love routine I like order I like that control and I've approached parenting to be very, very baby led. And so I think sometimes when on the days that it goes well, it's great. On the days that it doesn't go so well, I think that's where it sort of collides for me because I have to remind myself, which I I never really do when I'm in that negative thought cycle 
of letting go of that control and surrendering. And I think surrender is a really, really powerful word for me, particularly I used it a lot during pregnancy when I, um, I suffered from antenatal depression right at the beginning. And then, you know, I was a very active person and I could, I could barely move due to my physical and mental states. And so it was about accepting the situation, surrendering that control, which I think comes and goes for me, it ebbs and flows. Because I think that there's a lot of pressure, not for perfectionism, because I don't believe that exists, but I just don't want to get it wrong. I want to do right by him. And I think sometimes I I just don't know what is right because it's all so new. <laughs> and also, I think just the ideas of right and wrong are very binary, aren't they? And they're really hard Absolutely. because what what is right? Yeah. And you know, I know that some of the quote unquote mistakes that I guess my mum made with me have, have taught me the greatest lessons in life. So who's to say what's right and what's wrong? So I think it's, yeah, and I, you know, and I love that word surrender as well, but it's hard because the reason that we control is because it helps us feel safe. So surrender can feel petrifying. You know, I've worked with a lot of clients who, you know, will almost feel like a death and it is in some way you know, to, to actually surrender and let go. And it feels like leaping off a cliff It really does. It really does, you know, to go, okay, I'm just going to put that down. It's not easy. It's not, it's not something that, well, I don't find it easy. I think it's really, really hard because everything that we do serves a purpose. We don't just do things, you know, we control for a reason because it helps us feel safe helps us feel like we can navigate things, helps us feel like we can keep a lid on things. You know, if I can keep everyone doing what they're meant to be doing at the right time, I'll feel okay. My anxiety won't bubble up or, you know, whatever else. So it, so it always serves a purpose and it doesn't mean that we want to get rid of control. Clearly not. You know, it's brilliant being able to um, have some things that we can, we can manage quite well. And, but it's when it starts to cost us, that's that's when you might want to think okay what is this what's this giving me and what's it costing me and just looking at that list you know I often have clients write down those two things what does it give me well it gives me a sense of safety it gives me what's it costing me I feel really anxious it's actually blocking me from connection from my child and people around me because I feel like I'm telling them what to do and I feel resentful when they don't do what I want them to do all the time you know and then then it's looking at okay so there's your evidence. What could you do differently? Where could you let go? What would that look like? And I think like everything you said before was just kind of little steps. And these are big words, aren't they? Surrender is a really big word and it'll mean something different for every single person listening. So I think it's more thinking, okay, if I was going to let go 10% of a nap schedule or how I'm going to wean or how I'm worrying about my confidence, what would that what would that actually look like? And what would I do differently? I, lo- I love that you said that they are, they're big words. They are, they're huge words and they're big, big emotions as well. And my next question then kind of follows on from that around the sort of self-care message that we often push on mums, I find, you know, um, prioritise self-care, which is extremely important. I appreciate that. But I wonder if because motherhood can unpack such big emotions, do you think that the self-care message that we offer to mums is enough? 
I think it depends. Again, that's sort of a word that will mean if you ask 10 people, mm. what self, you'd get 10 different Responses, answers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, I think that the truth of it is, is that if you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed having a bath, you know, it, it might help one person. For me, I would just lie in the bath feeling anxious and overwhelmed. So, you know, <laughs> I think it really, I think, I think the overall idea that as mothers, we have to fill our own cup is really important. How mm. someone does that is going to look different for every single person. So before you even start talking about self-care, someone has to have self-awareness. What are my triggers? So self, a massive part of self-care for me is catching those thoughts. It's invisible. No one else knows I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. And that's, that's a big, big, big part of you know, me looking after myself, because I know if I let those thoughts spiral, I have a brain that's wired for fear, it's wired for negativity, it's going to drain me and it's not going to be good for me. So I think that's the first thing before you talk about self-care is you have to talk about awareness. You know, where are you struggling? Where are you feeling depleted? What's going on in your mind, body and spirit? And, you know, what are some of the things that you think could help you and it's going to be different for every single person I think self-care just becomes problematic because it's been sort of branded a bit you know it, it's like a a bath with an expensive oil or you know and, and and it's none of that for me really it's about how can I have the self-awareness so that I can look after myself particularly my thinking which is where the root of all my problems are um and my and my body um, how can I do that so that I can keep showing up as the, as the parent and the mother that I really want to be? So, yeah, I think, I think when we push it onto mothers, as in, you know, you need to take time out and you need to, that's just more pressure, isn't it? Because to some people, they don't want time away from their baby. That feels like the opposite of self-care. That might trigger more feelings of guilt or anxiety or worry you know, if they had the night away or whatever. So, but for some people that might be exactly what they need. So I think it's really figuring out, you know, what do you need in order to keep showing up as the type of mother that you would most want to be and to feeling good. We want to feel good, right? That's kind of why we're here on the planet. We don't want to be walking around feeling anxious and fearful and worried and overwhelmed all the time. So the question then becomes, what do I need? to feel good keep it really simple um and I think when I when I talk about self-care that's what I do I also the mothers that I work with I encourage them to have a bit of a sort of menu based on how they feel because when we're in the moment and we feel overwhelmed or guilty or stressed or negative you can't access that part of you that's going to know what you need in fact when you're in that place you're most likely to self-sabotage so grab some sugar because you think it's going to make you feel good. In fact, it's going to make you feel worse or watch another episode, even though it's midnight and you know that you've got to get to sleep. You know, when you're in that place, it's really hard to access those tools. So I'll often have clients write out, you know, when I feel overwhelmed, I need three really simple things. Stop what I'm doing, get a glass of water, send a message to my best mate and say, ask her how she's doing or tell her how I'm doing or, you know, stop and go and look at a tree and just look at the leaves blowing in the wind for 30 seconds and then come back to what I'm doing. 
And then I might have them write out another feeling state. When I feel tired, I need, you know, and, and I can write little, you can write, you know, I have clients who have it as, as on a sheet, you know, like in their kitchen <laughs> because we can't remember all this stuff. It's also very new for many of us. We weren't modeled this. We weren't taught it. I certainly wasn't. So I think coming at self-care from a feeling state is really helpful as well, because what, how differently we feel we're going to need different things. So, you know, lonely might be another one. You know, I think loneliness is a huge feeling for new mothers often confused with other emotions. So how do you know when you feel lonely? And what do you need when you feel lonely? You know, and it's not always about speaking to other people. Sometimes it can be connecting with yourself a little bit in that moment and then reaching out to someone else. So yeah, it's a big topic. And I think the most important thing is, is just not allowing it to create more pressure, but allowing it to start with self-awareness, come at it from feelings and have it written down somewhere. Don't rely on the moment when you're feeling not great. Because in those moments, you will definitely do something, not definitely, likely do something that will sabotage or make you feel worse. I mean, so... I, I feel like I, I'm literally like taking notes and I'm going to 100% like just reframe and work on so many things you've given me me personally such wonderful advice and nuggets of wisdom and I know that the passion owners who have been listening who will be listening to this will also get so 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 much out of it so thank you so much for being so open and honest and wonderful and brilliant in the work that you're doing. If people wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? The main thing I have is my podcast mm. called Mother Kind Podcast, where we do two episodes a week. We do a short one on a Monday and a longer interview on a Thursday. So that's available wherever you will get your podcasts. I also do um, some one-to-one -one coaching, although that's quite limited, but if anyone wanted to join the waitlist they can just look on the website and join. And I do group coaching. So I'll take 10 mothers all at different ages and stages. And we work through a lot of the themes that we were talking about today, about boundaries, energy management, reframing, tons of coaching tools, like the best coaching tools that I've learned. Um, and I've condensed them all down into, into eight weeks where we work through as a group. And just hearing other mothers share about their experiences is incredibly powerful so I do those typically every other month we start one so we have the next one starting soon actually on the 11th of May and we've got some spaces so depending on when this goes out if anyone wanted to join um just have a look on the website or I'm on Instagram motherkind underscore Zoe thank you so much so I really really appreciate your time this morning you're welcome I'm not going to be able to do that.